0: Good everyone, and thank you guys for being here. If you can bear with me, uh, I've got, uh, pretty sure it's the cold, so nothing to worry about, but it's a good thing, like you guys usually do, sit just a few rows back. Usually I want you guys to move up, but this will be kind of the germ zone right here. So if I don't shake your hand or give you a hug after service, don't be offended or send me emails or letters or whatever. It's simply, I want to not bless you with my infection. So, um, but really quick, can we go ahead and pray as we get going? Heavenly Father, um, we ask that you just bless uh, the next few moments that we have. And uh, Lord, I prepared and spent many hours over this message, but if your spirit is not heard, it's wasted. And so Lord, I pray, would you speak and would you uh, cover my vocal cords as we uh, deliver this message. And everyone said, amen. All right, guys. So we are in a five, uh, actually six part series called What matters? Can you say, what matters? And what we've been doing over the last four weeks anyways, as we've been looking at our core values, really our DNA that makes the Rock Church, the Rock Church. And so I just kind of quick recap. Uh, By the way, everything is recorded. You can go to therocknp.com and check everything out on there. But week one, we talked about how scripture matters and that we'll hold fast on a scripture as it's our absolute guide and uh, authority and everything in this life. Uh, Week two, we talk about the lost matter and how lost people matter to God, therefore lost people are going to matter to us. Week three, we talk about generosity, and we talk about how we're going to be consistently generous with our time, talents, and treasure. And um, last week, we talked about community matters and that we're actually made for a community. We believe that we're made to be in community with other believers And today, we're actually going to be talking about our fifth thing. It's actually our last thing, one of our last core values. And then next week, Dr. Sam Rockwell, who's our district district supervisor, a.k.a. my boss, um, he's going to be coming down, and he's going to be speaking uh, at our church and what God's been laying on his heart. And then the following week, we're going to be talking about our new mission and vision statement for the Rock Church. But today, we're going to be talking about our fifth value. And this is the fifth value. You can write this down. And it's this. It's discipleship matters. Discipleship matters. And here's the big idea. Here's the statement that would go with this core value. It's this. It says, we are disciples who make disciples who fully operate in their spiritual gifts, underline that part, spiritual gifts given by God's Holy Spirit. Read that one more time. We are disciples who make disciples who fully operate in their spiritual gifts given by God's Holy Spirit. So we're going to be looking at the text in Matthew chapter 28. If you get your Bible open up there, um, the screen, the, the verse, I mean, the screen's behind me as well in your notes in front of you. But it's Matthew chapter 28, verse uh, starting at verse 16 all the way through 20. And we're picking up at a scene where uh, uh, Jesus has already ascended, and um, he's he, he's going to talk, actually he's not ascended yet. He's going to be talking to his disciples, and uh, he's going to give them uh, a, a helper, and then he's really going to give them what we call the Great commission. So let's check this out. Verse 16, it says this, it says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but then some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Teach these new disciples, underline that part if you can. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I'm always with you, even to the end of age. This is what we call the Great Commission. It's really kind of the the last uh, kind of mission for us as the church before Jesus goes and then after he comes back. And so what Jesus is saying to his disciples, saying, hey, do you know what? Before I go, I've got one more thing I need you to do. Because the church is actually not just for the Jews, and it's not just for the Gentiles, it's actually for the Jews and the Gentiles, but it's actually not just for our region, but the whole world is gonna be impacted by this new faith that we call Christianity. He says, I've got one job for you after I go. I need you to go out to all ends of the earth to preach the good news, baptize them, and then teach these new disciples the way, the way that I have given you, And the way that this was said is is, is I think you can put it more like this because we say go and make disciples. And so it sounds like I need to go and it's almost like a, a production line, like, okay, I need to go make a disciple. It's actually not like that. You can put it, the Great Commission, this way if you study a little bit more. You can kind of translate it and say, while you are going through this life, while you're living through this life, as you're doing life through this life, make disciples. As you're going through this life, as you're living through this life, go and make disciples, which tells us a little bit more about the Christian faith. And I I think we can sum it at this. The Christian faith is a missionary faith. The Christian faith is a missionary faith, which tells me in return that our faith is not supposed to be kept to myself. That our faith is not supposed to be private. That our faith is not supposed to be be between me, God, and my safe zone that I have created for me and society. That our faith is exactly a missionary faith. An author puts it this way, I found very interesting. He says this, he says, the very nature of God demands this. The missionary faith demands this. For God is love and God is not willing that any should perish. Our Lord's death on the cross was for the whole world if we are the children of God and we share his nature, then we will want to tell the good news to the lost of the world. You see, our faith is a missionary faith, but here's the deal. A lot of times we chalk this up to just do a lot of outreaches as a church. That's kind of how we treat this great commission that, hey, the church will do outreaches, and we do, outreaches are good. We strategize how to do our, outre- our uh, outreaches with excellence, uh, and make sure that we can get the biggest return out of them. But I think the church has got caught up into the concept that church outreaches is how we go out and make disciples. It's how we bring people into our church, and they work. We do some amazing outreaches. I'm a little biased because you know we create them and they're from our church. Um, we do some amazing outreaches, but we shouldn't just leave it there. We shouldn't just leave it there. In fact, even the word disciple, the word disciple I believe has lost its true translation or the fact that we have changed it. People say like, they say, I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I think a lot of us here would say we are a disciple of Jesus, but more times than not, we say that meaning that, hey, I attend church once or twice a month. I give a little bit in the offering basket. I might join a community group if I have enough time in my calendar and then I might just do a good deed once a month. And yeah, I'm a disciple of Christ. And really that's the American way. We've been taught that. But if you study this area, this scripture, the word disciple is actually something much more. In fact, when I would studied this and trying to figure out different synonyms, uh, I can't even say that word this morning, synonyms, there we go. Uh, words that are like disciple with its truer translation in Greek, I love this word that came out. I'll be using this word quite a bit today. It's the first point in this. Instead of saying we're disciples of Jesus for this morning, we're gonna say this, we are apprentices of Jesus. We are apprentices of Jesus. Apprenticeship is is a term that we use when someone learns a trade or, or a craft from someone who's more skilled than he or she. For an example, uh, before I got into ministry, I got into ministry in a very uh, non-traditional route. I didn't go to Bible school or anything like that. Um, but before I got into ministry, I, my trade, my skill was a screen printer and a graphic designer, which means I would make logos, make creations, and I'd print them on T-shirts. And I was fairly adequate at them. And so I did it as soon as I was in college, and I did it into our marriage. And I actually, I love the job. In fact, if I uh, joke around, this thing doesn't work out, this whole ministry gig, which I think it is. Uh, but there's this I'll just, I'll just go do a screen printing shop because I thoroughly love that job. But it didn't come natural to me. I had to learn it. And so I got on board with a, screen, a small uh, mom and shop at Shadron, and this uh, older guy said, hey, I'll hire you, but I'm going to have to teach you how to do this because it's a very meticulous job, and we want to do with excellence. I'm like, sure, what, whatever, I can do that. So I go on there, think like any young buck, like we've all been there, going in there like, I can do this. And I go on there, and has anyone here printed uh, T-shirts before, screen printing? Okay. Has anyone done just painted walls with kids? Right? That was like me entering the shop. Because this is permanent paint, high-quality paint. I'm wearing my best jeans, got my nice polo on. And I I started, I created the logo, and the logo was great. And I put the paint in there, and there's this blade. You got to push it back, and you got to push the paint forward. But you have to have the right 45-degree angle with the right pressure. Too much makes it bleed. Too little doesn't make the print stick. And so I had to learn that, but I was very messy, very, very messy. I would have paint on my hands, so I'd take the T-shirt off the palette, and there'd be fingerprints, Bond's fingerprints everywhere. That was not part of the design. And so what would happen, I kid you not, what would happen, I would go through entire orders, and these aren't just like little like six, seven T-shirt orders, this is five to 1,000 T-shirts, like big orders for sports teams and stuff. Like I would have my fingerprint on them and we'd have to throw the whole order away and to redo them. Yeah, what, you guys are wondering why the ones that I fired? I have no idea. I would fire that guy if he worked for me. But this guy, his name was Luke, um, but he, he wanted to teach me. And so we took like a whole week and I, my job, my job was to literally stand right beside him and watch his every move. And he wouldn't even talk to me. He would just kind of do his job. And you see, see how my, uh, I'm pressing the blade. See how I'm pushing the ink back. See how I'm taking the, the, the T-shirt off of the palette. See how I'm washing. See how I'm clean, Vaughn. See how I have no fingerprints anywhere at all? Like I am clean. And this whole thing is cleanliness is next to what? Godless. That's not scripture by at any means. But it was our Bible at the screen printing shop. And so really I was apprenticing under this guy so that so that, hopefully one day I could be a skilled screen printer. In the same way it goes with our walk with Jesus. Because I can say, yeah, I know how to screen print. And if I would have kept doing what I thought was right, eventually I would have been a horrible screen printer. Just like, just like, and please, this might hit us a little hard. Just like if we say, yes, I'm a disciple of Christ, but we actually not practice the ways of Jesus, we're going to be a horrible Christian. And let me tell you, there are some horrible Christians out there that claim they're disciple of Christ, but they do not practice or apprentice under Jesus whatsoever. And we want to fix this. And this is why discipleship matters to us. And some of you, you may have experienced apprenticing to be an electrician or a plumber or had a mentor or a coach for a job that you're in right now, but you know a great teacher to be a great student. You have to mimic their every move. You have to actually observe and to actually soak in everything that they're teaching you. The same way goes to being an apprentice of Jesus Christ, meaning this, that we practice and mimic the actions of Jesus, not just the pastor. Please do not mimic my every move. I am a fallen person, and I can make mistakes. But we have a Bible, and we can read the actions of Jesus Christ, and we can mimic those actions, we can soak in those actions. We see how Jesus like loved the people that he was around. We can mimic that love. We can see that he forgave unconditionally. We can mimic that unconditional forgiveness. We see how he operated with grace and mercy, and so we can mimic that as well. We also see how he stood up for injustice and stood up for those who couldn't stand up for themselves. We can mimic that. To go even further, we see that he didn't give in to gossip or to slander, and so we can mimic that as well. And so my encouragement, I guess my, my, my biggest thing that if you can get anything out today's message is this, is be an apprentice of Jesus Christ. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, if you call yourself a Christian, be an apprentice of Jesus Christ. Some of us, we've never even been taught this. We've never even been a disciple and we want to change that. Our prayer is to equip you to be disciples, to be apprentices of Jesus. And, and really one way to be super practical is we're gonna have different workshops throughout the year. We're in the midst of creating this where we're gonna have groups like Christianity 101. Because some of us, we just got into Christianity and we can kind of consider ourselves kind of baby Christians. In a lot of churches, we stop at the salvation part. That so we got them saved, we're good to go. We'll go on to the next one. But we forget to teach these baby Christians to get off the milk and onto the what? The meat. And you wonder why the church isn't growing. Because if a baby is not taught, that baby stops growing and they'll fall away. They'll walk away. But if you begin to teach them, to disciple them, teach them how to do the basics that we just take for granted, how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to witness to somebody Oh, here's a big one. I think maybe a lot of us adults won't even do. How to talk to somebody about Jesus. How do you do all of those things? Because those are the things that Jesus did. Those are the things that Jesus is asking us to do. And that is the way that Jesus has decided that's gonna push the church further. If we just leave it, just baby Christians and say, you're good to go, we'll move on the next one. The church is going to fall short. The church is not going to move. The church is not going to grow. And this church right here, within 10, 15 years, there'll be no one here. That's why we got to start maturing Christians, start making discipleship matter to us. Too long, the church has been far from this thing. They have the pastor preach messages and we win the lost and, and, and we try to get other people saved. And really the church on the whole functions more as cheerleaders spectators. and spectators. That's kind of how it is. And again, that's not your fault. It's just how Western church has been developed that the pastor does everything and, and, and you guys get to sit there. Uh, we don't have uh, popcorn and soda. Maybe we should do that. But it's kind of how the church has been functioning. But we read the Great Commission, Jesus doesn't say, hey, go join a church. Let the pastor do the work. You guys just attend on a Sunday. It'll work itself out. That's not how it's gonna work. You see, the Great Commission is not just for me. Great Commission is just not for the leaders of the church. The Great Commission is for you guys. That as you live life, as you go through this life, make disciples, make disciples. The church does not and cannot function in the way that just the leaders do everything. God has designed the church so that every believer is to make disciples. How much the church would grow, how much the church would grow if all of us would embody the great commission That as we do life, as we work at the train station, as as we work at Walmart, as we're a stay-at-home parent, as I'm a pastor, as you are doing what you do, you make disciples along the way. And it sounds very holistic. It sounds very organic, and it's because it is. It's supposed to be simple. It's not complicated. And so I want to encourage you. As you live through this life, fulfill the great commission and make disciples. Go out and preach the name of Jesus and mature Christians. This takes us right back to the great commission that as you're going through this life, make disciples. And this leads us to point number two. Because while that we are apprentices, we are apprentices who make apprentices of Jesus. I know it's a little confusing. While we are apprentices, we are apprentices who make apprentices of Jesus. It's really this domino effect that God has put in place and it's this system that Jesus implemented to really keep the church moving forward. Just think about it for a little bit. If everyone here that claims to follow Jesus, you had someone that led you to that decision. Everyone here, that says, I follow Jesus. You had someone that helped you to lead that decision. We say it this way. None of you woke up at three in the morning out in the boonies with no one around saying, Jesus. Jesus can do that. But more times than not, we either had a parent or a pastor, a close friend, a mentor or a coach to lead us along this journey of life to the point where we made this decision of, Yes, I want to follow Jesus. And the only reason that person was there is because someone did the same thing with him or her. And it's this domino thing of disciples making disciples of making disciples of making disciples. You see, the biggest scare, and some of you, us older people in the room, I say us because I'm included with you. Um, but some of us, the biggest fear is like, man, what's how, what's the church gonna look like in the next... 10, 15, 20 years. Thousands of churches are closing their doors every single year. Just in our foursquare, we we're part of the four square denomination, just in the four square area. I mean, just think about, we're one of the healthiest churches in this area for four square. Which is good. Yeah, you can clap at that. It's good. But the point I want to try to make is this, is if we are not disciples making disciples, making disciples, there will not be a church for your grandkids to go to. We've got to help this this, this production of making disciples. That hopefully, when I get to lead my kids to Christ, they're going to lead their kids or their friends to Christ. And soon, this church will begin to grow, but this church will still keep going. This is why discipleship has to matter to us, it has to matter. You mentioned that for far too long, we've left discipleship up to the pastor and really chalk it up again, attending Sunday services here and there and maybe joining a community group. And if you're really good drop something in the offering box. And the way to fix this, is we got to fix this, church. And the way to fix this is when we decide to really live the great commission that as we're going through life, we're to make disciples that while that we are here, again, if you work at Union Pacific, that as you work there, as you work there, disciple someone. Lead someone to Christ, help mature someone. Stay home moms, you're not out of this thing either because you got children that you need to disciple. If you work out Walmart, don't just let those hours go by. Disciple someone because really it's not, I can't do it all. I try. That's why pastors burn out every year. But as you go through the teenagers in the room, you can also fulfill the great commission. As you go to school, make disciples. Check this out. I'm not doing this to to boast or to brag, but I started my first ministry in seventh grade called Youth Alive. Have you ever heard of Youth Alive before? Assembly of God uh, ministry. I started Youth Alive. And to this day, that Youth Alive is still functioning. It didn't quit. It didn't quit. Now you can clap, you can clap. But I didn't make that happen. It's because we reached other students. And other students reach other students. And those students reach other students. And as we're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, because you know how weird would it be for this 30-year-old to go back to seventh grade and start preaching to them? Like, everyone would be weirded out, right? Stranger danger, okay? That's why you have security. But that is what the picture of what the church could be. Maybe I could ask this question for you. Who are you discipling right now? Many of us probably wouldn't have an answer. Who is apprenticing under you in the ways of Jesus? I know this sounds so old school, but if you go to Israel with me, you get you see how much discipleship matters to them. You wonder why their faith keeps continuing. The same goes here. Who are you raising in Christ? We want you to disciple someone, and we're going to offer you just, again, another practical way. So here, here's the practicalness of this is, yes, go out and find someone to disciple. But we want to train you in this because sometimes we feel like blind leading the blind. We get very uncomfortable. And if you're discipling, you don't know how to do it, it's totally fine. Go out there and do it. I had to learn trial by fire. But we're going to have a few things coming up here. First one is this. Secret Sisters is happening this week, and that is a – very holistic way of discipling someone. I'm not going to give you too much. Amy Cousins is going to lead it. It's going to be a great time. Men, we're going to have our group. but It's going to start in the fall, okay? We're going to get our remodel done and we're going to go ahead and continue with that. But join those things. They're not just men's ministries and women's ministries. These are areas where you are going to disciple and mentor one another. There's a purpose behind it. These are not groups to come and just talk, shop, and to gossip. I hope there's no gossip. No gossip. Um, but, but to do any of the, these are areas where you're going to come together and you're going to pray for one another. You're going to teach one another. You're going to get together and raise each other in Christ. And in fact, for those of you who are maybe kind of looking at you like, Vaughn, I don't want to do this. Does this sound good? Let me kind of hit you with scripture. All right, Titus 2. Thank you for the good. That helps me feel a little bit better. This is what Titus is saying. Actually, this is Paul writing to Titus, his disciple a young guy named Titus, and what we see, this is the system of discipleship that Paul is encouraging this church to use, and I love this, and this is what we're gonna implement here. He says this, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men, to exercise. <laughs> yes, exercise. We're gonna go running, everyone. <laughs> yeah, right, have you seen me? Not running. Uh, Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. This is where the discipleship picks up right here in verse 4. These older women must train up the younger women to love their husbands and their children to live wisely and to be pure, to, to, to take care of their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. That means just to respect and to love. And they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Sometimes I don't think we take our faith serious enough we can't treat it like that's a fad that we're a part of, or a clique that we enjoy. But here's the no: take it seriously. Verse eight: Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Verse fifteen: Jump to verse fifteen. You must teach these things and encourage believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when it's necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. So how are we going to do this? We're going to be disciples who make disciples. We're going to be disciples who make disciples. Here's the thing. Making disciples is not a complicated process because at its core, church, at its core, it's just having a relationship with someone. That's all it is. The only reason that I have been disciples is because someone thought it was, it was worth the investment of their time and their energy to have a relationship with me. And I had very few huge mentors in my life that got me to this place where I am at today. And I believe if you can think it is worth the cost, it's worth your time and it's worth your energy just to invest in someone, to have a relationship with someone, you will be a disciple who makes Disciples, and guess what, guess what? This is something that builds stock up in heaven. He says, this is something that builds stock up in heaven. You might not see any return here, but you will see the return of your time and your energy when you enter heaven. Because this is what matters to God. This is what matters to Jesus. That we're disciples making disciples. Really, this is how God designed us to raise and equip other followers of Jesus Christ. But here's the kicker, here's the kicker. We need someone who is skilled in the way of Jesus to come alongside of us and to teach us. Just as parents, you had to come alongside of your little ones. You had to teach them how to walk, teach them how to eat, teach them how to poop and pee in the potty, right? Please pray for me. We're potty training kids right now. It is so disgusting. Oh, man there was one creation flaw in God's design, that was probably it. That was, that's it. But we had to teach them how to talk, to be polite, have great behavior and attitude. The same way it goes for baby Christians. If we just leave them through their own devices, they're not going to grow. And they're not going to be fully operating the way that God has created them to operate. So I asked this question earlier, and I want to ask it one more time, but in a different way is who are you going to disciple? Who are you going to disciple? Some of you, you've got names. It could be your kids. It could be a friend. It could be someone that you've already had a relationship with, but you've never realized you're actually discipling them. Some of you, you might be kind of feeling that tug, like I haven't been investing in anyone, and now is the time. So here's the last point today as we wrap up. The worship team wants to come up. You see, we want to be disciples. We want to be apprentices of Jesus. We also want to be disciples who make disciples. But we also want to be disciples who make disciples who fully operate in their spiritual gifts given by God's Holy Spirit. Now, the reason we put spiritual gifts and we make sure we mention the Holy Spirit and there's because sadly a a lot of churches, they do not recognize this part. And they chalk up, a lot of talent just to be natural talent where I firmly believe that is a God-given gift that he created in you to do his work. And so my wife and I, we were hashing through this. we like, this has got to be important to us because a lot of you, you may not realize when God created you, he put gifts in you. That when you became saved in the eyes of Christ, the Holy Spirit came in and filled you and he gave you gifts. To do his work better than what you could ever do without him. And that's why the third point is this: Jesus gives us gifts to be skilled apprentices. It's it, the, the best way I can think about it is, is, is like a woodworker. He's got this whole shop. And he's got a he's got chisels and hammers and nails and, and even with the, the nails and, and the screws, are, there's a whole variety of different ones. They all have their, their jobs and he's got all these chisels and they all have their different little jobs and he's got all these equipments and tools. And, and, and really, if you're uh, not into woodworking, you probably think this is just a waste. Why do you need all these different things? But the woodworker knows I need this to do this. I need that to do this. I need that equipment to help me to accomplish this task. Really, spiritual gifts are just tools of the trade. They're to help you to be the best Christian that you can be. Because God just doesn't want you to leave you here and say, yep, figure it all out. But no, Jesus before he left. He says, no, 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 I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you someone that is going to take you beyond what you could ever imagine in your walk and his name is the Holy Spirit, and he wants to help you. And he's gonna bring you tools of the trade. He's gonna bring you gifts. And I just want to share these gifts with you. The first one is this, 1 Corinthians 12, 17. These are not exhaustive lists of gifts. There's so many gifts, but this is what we have in scripture. It says this says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The one person, this gift might be the ability to give wise advice. Another, the same spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. Gives one person the power to perform miracles. We believe miracles still exist today. Another ability to prophesy. It gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak an unknown language. That's speaking in tongues. We believe that still happens today while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said, it is the one and the only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. Meaning that you can't conjure these up. You can't fake it till you make it. It's only the Holy Spirit that can give you these things. And guess what? You're not all gonna have the same tools. You are each gonna be skilled in the area that Jesus has desired you to be skilled in. You each have your specific tools for the trade. If God has, uh, uh, verse 11, is the only one and the, the only spirit who distributes all these gifts, he alone decides which gift each person should have. Flip over to Romans 12, six, it says this, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, Give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. All of these, all of these are gifts from God that he has given to you. Each of you have tools of the trade to be the best Christian that you can be. Now, I wanna speak to my charismatic friends in the room. Because sometimes we focus on what we call the, the supernatural gifts, the charismatic gifts. And we only focus on those. But Paul even says, no, 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 no. Don't just focus on these things. Actually, earnestly seek out these other gifts like administration. Because at least these help edify and build the church. And so if you can speak in tongues, great, I can. It's awesome. It's awesome but if you can't, don't think you're missing out. Because guess what? You might be blessed in leadership. You might be blessed with patience. That's a gift I don't have. You might be blessed in the ways of mercy and empathy. Those are all spiritual gifts that help propel the church forward. Even the term charismatic gift is not just a term that's just Ooh, supernatural gifts. Charismatic is from the Greek word charisma. Charisma just means the natural gift that God has given you. So newsflash, God has given you gifts. What charismatic gifts do you have? Is it helping, loving people, teaching people? Serving? See, all of these gifts, they help you be the best disciple. And in return, it helps you be the best disciple who makes So I want to make sure you don't walk out of this building thinking, oh, I can't be a disciple maker. I'm not, I'm not good at it. <laughs> That's a lie from the enemy. God has given you specific gifts to reach the specific people that he has ordained to put across your pathway. So the question still stands, who are you going to disciple At the Rock Church, discipleship matters. We are disciples who make disciples who fully operate in their spiritual gifts given by God's holy. Will you guys bow your heads? Will you guys pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, I pray that in the spite of my, my voice, God, I pray these words, clear that we are disciples who make disciples and God that we want to take our faith seriously and Lord that we want to be a church a, a group of people that's that's not going to just to be content with just less than that we're just that we don't want to just go through this life and say yep I went to church yep I read my bible yep I dropped something in the bucket yep check 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 but God, that we would just be just bold. And I would would even say just be radical in this way that we want to go out and we want to tell other people of the good news. And Lord, that once they're standing, once they're in your arms, that that we're not gonna stop there. We're, We're gonna raise them in the way. In fact, that was the nickname back in the day. We were known as people of the way because it wasn't just something we said, it was a lifestyle people would know that they were Jesus followers by how they lived, how they acted, and how they treated one another. Sadly, today, we can't tell Christians someone who's not. Lord, let that change starting now with our church. God, that we would embody Christian faith, live it out, that we would be disciples of you, we'd be apprentices of you. We would raise other people to do the same. And Lord, when we read that how 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 you went out of your way and you loved the lost, Lord, that we would love the lost. God, how you oh, how you went and sought after the overlooked, Lord, that we would go out and seek the overlooked. When you stood up for injustice, Lord, that we would stand up for injustice. When you rebuked, Lord, that we would rebuke in the same way. But Lord, I see the woman who was thrown at your feet who was caught in adultery and you responded with compassion and kindness. Lord, that we would respond in compassion and kindness. Father, we just want people that embody your characteristics. I've only got one called, every head bowed, eyes closed. You're sitting here saying, you know what, I, I'm not a disciple of Christ. In fact, I'm not even, I, I don't even count myself saved. I'm just here checking this out or I've been on this kind of this journey seeking this stuff, but I'm ready to make this decision. I want to be a follower today. I just want to pray with you, but, but there's got to be an action on your part that's simply just telling your own spirit, yes, I'm serious about this. I'm going to make this. If that is you, yeah, I, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a Jesus follower. Would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. No one's looking, but if you slip your hand I, I can. I want to pray for you. Ben, anyone else? Amen. You can just say this in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. Lord, would you come into my life? forgive me of my sins, but you wash me pure with your blood. God, starting today, I'm not following my own selfish desires and ambitions, but I am following after you. I'm a disciple of you. And so I'm going to act like you. I'm going to behave like you. I'm going to show love like you. I'm going to forgive like you. I'm going to be an apprentice of you. Scripture is just praying that, just just saying that in your heart in your own words. You know by faith that you, you are saved. Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that the words were clear and it penetrated our hearts. Church, stand this morning. We're gonna lead into a song. And we're going to have a little time of communion. We're going to dim the light just here in a little bit. But we're going to sing about being God's presence. And you're going to hear characteristics of all of what Jesus has that you can embody. Will you guys sing this song together with us?